Live from F102, this is Art As We Know It. Welcome to episode 6 of season 2. With this podcast, we hope to share our art knowledge and help inspire others to find art in their daily lives. Today on the podcast, we have... Riley. Nicholas. Kendrick. And Eleanor. Our main topic for today is Hindu art, but before we dive into it, let's hear the answer to our trivia question from last week. Okay, so what is the sacred number of Hinduism? What is it? 108. What? You, do you know why? No. It's because there's like 108 paths to heaven. That's really interesting. That's okay. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a lot of paths. Today in art history, the musical Cabaret opened on Broadway in 1966. So, today we're talking about Hinduism and the art that falls within the religion. And I believe Riley has a general overview of Hinduism that she'd like to share. Yeah, so I think everyone here has taken WAP or some sort of form of world history. Um, so, do you guys have any background knowledge on Hinduism? Yes, <laughs> I'm, so I'm actually a Hindu myself. So, I've, I've been exposed to these kinds of art and I... I like I know what you guys are talking about. It's not just like completely foreign to me. So yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So yeah, um before we dive into the art, we're going to talk a little bit about the background of the religion. So one of the interesting things about Hinduism is that there isn't a singular founder that it's attributed to. Um it's one of the oldest religions and a lot of what we know about Hinduism comes from the Sanskrit texts from the Indus River Valley civilization. Um these texts make up the Vedas really interesting thing about Hinduism is that it is a polytheistic religion, meaning that instead of uh, worshiping one singular god, Hindus worship multiple gods. Um, And there's a lot of emphasis on the supremacy of the god Vishnu, the god Shiva, and the goddess Shakti. Another really cool thing about Hinduism, or I guess it's, it's just interesting in the way that society kind of evolved around Hinduism, is that um, their social structure Uh, especially in India, is informed by Hinduism. There are different castes, and within the caste system, um, they have the priests and educators. They're known as the Brahmin, Kshatriya, who are the warriors and the rulers, and so on and so on. And your caste dictates your job and um, the people you interact with on a daily basis, your family, who you can marry, etc., and there's a real emphasis within the religion about the body. So it's it's looked at in the religion like each caste makes up a part of the body of Vishnu, who is one of the main gods. So the Brahmin caste, like I said, were the priests and they make up the head or the Kshatriya make up um, the arms, stuff like that. So Nick, you were talking a little bit about your experience as a Hindu person. Yeah. Um, and so have you seen the caste system manifest itself at all or is it kind of dialed back uh so i if you go to nepal or even india i think there's some households there that if they believe that if you're of lower caste they won't let you come in the house or they won't let you eat with them or it's just things like that there's like a sense of inequality there because due to the caste system so it's it's not as strict as it was before but it's still very prevalent in society 
That's really interesting. It's pretty unique to that religion, too. I don't really know of any others that are similar, right? Yeah, I think there's definitely, I mean, there's, I would say there's social inequality that makes itself prevalent in one everywhere. There's. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I think this is, it's unique in that it is somewhat scripted into the religion um, itself. And Nick, as you're saying, you're talking about the art that you see when mm. you have attended. So, I don't know. I think, like, so for all religions, art, there's some form of art representing, like, what they believe in, what they have faith in. But particularly for Hinduism, since it is a polytheistic religion, there's so many gods, there's so many symbols and stuff, and you can't just, like, say it exists. You have to, like, represent it in some way. So I think, like, the way that uh, Hindus have done it is through art. They depict all of their gods. There's so many gods, like, I don't know, it's crazy. Art is definitely a really important part of most religions. Um, Hinduism has pretty distinct periods of art. However, due to... Uh, conflicts during British rule and the fact that time just likes to ruin all the good art. (laughs) Uh, Most Hindu art from the late medieval and earlier we don't have access to today because in the beginning it was rock art and so most of it has eroded and faded away and they also used mud paint and mud just ends up mud. And then the art that they had in the Middle Kingdom and late medieval from what we've seen is really beautiful but most of it didn't survive. So we do know that they like to use medium bronzes and paintings on large-scale walls. It was during British rule and colonization that Hindu art really saw a major shift because it went from being solely used for spreading a religious message to, at the time, being used to help spread a political genre. And we also, last time our group was on the podcast, talked about propaganda. So you could almost tie it to that. Um, Hinduism is largely concentrated in India. It's all over the world, but that's where most people live. And so when India was under British rule and their religion was being suppressed and they just kind of felt snuffed out, it was really unique to see how they combined the fact that they wanted their freedom with, um, with their religion. And so it's really beautiful art. And Hindu art also has a really big focus on being dynamic and, as you said, with the body. And so I know, Riley, you had a really good point about that and how it just it always seems to like constantly be flowing. Yeah. So if we actually look at one of the 250, um, it's Shiva as Lord of Dance. Shiva is one of the Hindu deities. And as we can see in that piece, there is a lot of uh, dynamism within the movement that the arms make. Um, And like I said about the body before, Um, It makes up a huge part of the Hindu religion. And if you look at that piece, there are actually multiple sets of arms on Shiva because the multiple sets of limbs represent the power of the deity and omnipotence. And so it's really interesting to look at the difference between the kind of metaphorical um, implications of the artwork versus like Christian art, where it's very some of the depictions are very straightforward. You have, you know, Jesus on the cross and things like that. Um, And we see omnipotence represented more through halos and things like Mm -hmm. that. So, like, if you you can imagine yourself, like, going to a temple, what you typically see is you go through, then you have, like, basically you have, like, a a chamber, like, like, multiple sculptures, like, all around the room, and you go, like, one by one, like, and you, like, pray to each one, basically. And it's just, like... It's it, it's pretty cool because there's all these different gods that are represented through represent represented through these arts uh, through these sculptures and like 
like it's pretty cool that they have a sense of like as you said omnipotence about that's so cool it is yeah. <laughs> i think one of the other things that um we haven't really touched on yet is the architecture obviously within uh, the hindu religion there are places of worship um, which are these temples um so kendrick i believe you have some information about the architecture that makes uh, up hinduism oh uh, yeah so starting with what nick said earlier about how you move from like uh, different stages i guess or like moving from one god to the next uh, while you're navigating a temple uh, that's called circumambulation, also known as pradakshina, I think. I don't think I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> but that basically translates to a path surrounding uh, something. Uh, yeah, it's like moving in a circle around a temple or like holy structure. And it has deep metaphorical importance in the Hindu religion since uh, it makes up like how the stages that like represent the transition from this daily life to like spirituality because you typically move from the door and then you're navigating through the temple and then at the end you reach the inner sanctum where the deity is usually housed and so yeah you can like see the metaphor metaphorical connection for you slowly transitioning from regular life into like the spiritual realm i guess and also looking more at like the physical architecture i guess you can s still see some of the uh, impact that hinduism has had and and i think eleanor can go further into some of the history i guess so hindu architecture is really beautiful and it's really unique you really can't see it anywhere else I know for me, I'm Catholic, and so our churches and cathedrals have very square lines, and they have a lot of 90-degree angles, and it's really focused on symmetry through angles. However, with Hinduism and their architecture, it's really beautiful, and it's very curved, and it kind of has this underlying theme of where everything's moving, but it's harmonious. And so it's so different, but it's so similar at the same time, and it's really beautiful. And Hindu temples... It's really cool. They have an inner sanctum, a womb chamber, and a womb chamber. And so it's really cool, and that's where they go to pray. Hinduism architecture also uses the Vastu Shastra, and it's an ancient Vedic belief that encompasses architectural concepts and principles that came to form Hindu architecture's integral styles. So for me, and this could be different for y'all, my favorite example of Hinduism architecture is Angkor Wat. It's a really beautiful Hindu temple in Cambodia, and it just encompasses all these ideas. It has water surrounding it and a road that leads into it and conical towers, and it's really pretty. It's just really cool. I just it think is. it's sick. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's super pretty. So I think it's, it's really interesting that when we're discussing all of these different types of architecture, um, especially when in terms of religion, uh, we see that idea of circumambulation. Um, we've seen that at the Kaaba also, um, with Islamic art. And uh, even though all of these religions kind of developed um, separately from each other, they all um, have similar aspects. And I think that, that those, those cross-cultural styles um, really kind of shaped our, our world and how we view 
each other and um, different religions. So, like Riley's saying, another example of uh, cross-cultural connections would be imperialism in India. Uh, in when British came to India, they came at around uh, 1615. Um, so they gradually overthrew the Indian empires that were intact at that time, and they they slowly took over administration and became more of an influence on India. Um, so the establishment of the British Empire in India really laid the foundation of modern art into India because of their connection with the West and stuff. So what British did to facilitate like the the exposure to Western art would be they, they set up schools and stuff to help these new and upcoming artists develop uh, develop skills at combining British British Western styles and the ancient Indian styles that were already there. There's also a movement called the Indo-Saracenic Revival. It was a really unique architectural style and movement by British architects. So what it basically was, it, it drew elements from both uh, native Islamic and Indian art architecture that was already there, sorry, and combined them with Gothic and uh, neoclassical art that was in Britain. Uh, this influence, if you, if you like walk around India and you go visit there, you can you can see you can really see the influence it had, because you can see like these cool clock towers, courthouses, town halls, and colleges and stuff. And you can really see. I think that's really cool. It is. It's incredible to think about not only the kind of implications of art um, styles combining, but also the idea that so much of Hindu culture was repressed and then kind of blossomed again um, after British rule was overthrown. And to see that sort of rebellion take place in art form, we've seen it in other places, but it's definitely interesting um, to see such a modern example because in Britain it, it wasn't so long ago that Britain w had control of India so it's really interesting to have such a well-documented um, view of all of this artwork and that history. I think we could even tie this back to a couple weeks back when we spoke for the first time we talked about propaganda and how art has taken many forms with it and the fact that they were able to use their religion in not only such a beautiful way, but a peaceful way, too. And they, were, they really just showed how amazing their religion is and how much they know and understand about the way they want to live. It's really cool. It's just something unique that you don't get to see often. And when you do, and it's done that well, it's really cool. Yeah, I think one of the things I definitely gained from this overview of Hinduism and studying all of this these past couple of weeks is the idea that society and politics and art and religion all influence each other in such a fascinating way. So if our listeners were to take something away from that, I would, I would definitely put that idea in their minds. All right. Yep. Yeah. I was saying I agree. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to say anything else. <laughs> no, you're good. I think we're I think we're ready to wrap up. So, um, for kind of the finale of our our episode, um, I believe we have a fun fact about Hindu art. Indeed, we do. Well, I don't know how fun it is, but it is a really cool fact. <laughs> um, one thing that's really interesting about Hinduism is that the book, Rid, Rig, Rig Veda, is the oldest book of all time, and it originates from Hinduism. That's oh, wow. so cool. That's it's very cool. Yeah. cool. That's interesting. Speaking of things that are cool, Nick, I think you have a joke for us. Yeah. 
So what did the paint say to the artist? I don't know. What did they say? Don't use that tone with me. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, we have a trivia question for next week. Gentlemen, lady, what is arabesque design? I have no I idea. Don't know. Well, I guess you'll have to find out in the next episode. Thank y'all so much for listening. If you want to know more about the works we talked about today, please feel free to check out our blog at www.artasweknowitpodcast.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.